Certain details, states, names, etc. have been changed to provide anonymity to me and other people related to the story. This happened nearly four years ago, so my memory isn't the best. Please forgive me. In 2014, I moved to Ohio from California after my mother retired from being in the army. In my middle school, I ended up transferring schools in the middle of the second semester, March 2015. The new school was in a really cruddy small town, because we moved and the school I was attending beforehand was about 20 minutes away and my mum didn't want to have to drive me. The school in the small town was within walking distance of my house, so I didn't mind at all that much, except for I was no longer in school with my best friends, and being shy and antisocial at that age, I didn't manage to make any new friends in the new school. I was sort of the new kid. My grandparents lived in this really bad small town, and when my mum would deploy I would live with them, because my dad left when I was an infant. A lot of these people in this town I had known from kindergarten and second grade. They'd be known that at the time, I was a full-blown Tumbresque, Flower Crown, Dan and Phil, and 21 Pilots, Fox Emo Kid. I don't even know what to call this, to be honest, other than cringy. At the time, I was very freshly 14, and my fashion choices were rather questionable. I had a dyed bright red fringe and emo hair, wore baggy hoodies and skinny jeans, and wore a distressed American flag high-top converses. In my pre-algebra class, there was this kid named Connor who had a crush on me. Connor was average height for a boy in the 8th grade, but to me he was short because I've always been tall. He had straw-like brown hair and he was slim. He asked me out many times in class and I rejected him because I'd been dating a 15-year-old guy from Texas. Despite that though, he didn't make me feel weirded out. The class was pretty tiny so everybody knew everyone. Someone important to this story is Ella Davis. For some reason, no one called her Ella, it was always Ella Davis. Ella Davis was shorter, a beautiful girl with long brunette ponytail and a smile that decorated with shiny braces. She was one of the more affluent families. Affluent in quotations just meant middle or upper class in school. Ella Davis, despite being so beautiful, affluent and popular, was genuinely nice to everyone she met, including me, the shy lanky emo kid. No one had any reason to dislike Ella Davis, and no one did. She was a textbook girl next door. One thing I remember so vividly about Connor was that day before pre-algebra. He had complimented my distressed American flag high tops. Nothing unusual, so I said thanks. He started asking me to trade his grey shoes with me. I expected him to seem like he was joking, even just a little bit, but he wasn't. He looked pretty serious about it. I shrugged it off and was like, no dude, I like my shoes. From there, nothing really happened. A month or two goes by, and Connor and three other boys stop showing up to school, and whispers around school spread like wildfire, and of course, considering I legitimately had no friends, I was the last to know. I remember I was in my last class of the day, when a girl named Carmen had told me during the sleepover, Connor and three other guys unknown at school had planned to kidnap Ella Davis, and they also wanted to murder her. They also decided they would kill Ella Davis' parents too if they got in the way. It was a concise plan, and they even managed to steal guns from their families. It should be noted that these boys were around normal height for their ages, except for one named Sean. Sean was shorter and plumper than the other three at sleepover, was sexually assaulted by one of the two guys, not Connor, and was given the role of lookout. One night, they ended up going to Ella Davis' house after stealing guns from their families, but were spooked away by the dog. Sean ended up caving in and going to the authorities. Despite his role in considering to kidnap and murder Ella Davis with the two other guys and Connor, as far as I know, he wasn't charged and returned to school. Connor was charged as a juvenile, while the other two were charged as adults for what happened, as well as the assault on Sean.
When I found this out, all I could have thought about was the fact that he could have been me that he wanted to kidnap instead of Ella Davis, considering Connor had that big crush on me and wanted my shoes. The scenario kept replying in my head for the rest of the day. How did this dude from my class, he wanted my cringy emo shoes, turn out to be like this? My family still visits my grandparents on the holiday sometimes, so Connor, next time in town, let's not me. This happened when I was in first grade. I think based on the people involved, it had to have been. Just know I was very young, but I was old enough to be in school. After school, I had to take the bus as we lived a bit too far for me to get dropped off and picked up each day. I would usually get dropped off by the bus stop on a random street near a different school with a bunch of kids and my grandma would be waiting. The street couldn't be seen from that school however, and it was basically just a random street with no places around it. There were some houses, but they were behind walls so they couldn't see the street. It was a great place to grab someone and not be seen. One day, my uncle had borrowed a car and was supposed to pick me up. I didn't know this at the time, so I was confused as to why my grandma wasn't there. Since this was back in the day when little kids didn't have cell phones, I had no way to call her and see what was going on. I was stuck there, pacing back and forth since my uncle was late. All the cars left except one but I didn't pay too much attention to it. Even the kids that walk home from the bus stop were gone at this point. About 10 minutes later, a car pulls up. I can still remember this car because for some reason it had patches of cloth on random places as if it was trying to make it quilted. The ugliness of the car doesn't matter though. I just still think that it's odd and want someone else to have that car's visual in their head. Anyway, an old lady gets out of the car and starts walking towards me as I'm still pacing back and forth. I see her and stop, and then suddenly hear a voice behind me asking the lady what she's doing. Without taking her eyes off me, the lady said, Oh, my daughter called, and told my granddaughter was pacing back and forth on the street and to come pick her up. By this time, the voice behind me was next to me, and I saw my mum's friend. She put her arm around me and told the lady that I was the only one there and that I was with her. The crazy lady glared at us for a second before storming off to her car and slowly driving away. Turns out, the car that was sitting there the whole time was my friend and her mum, and she was watching to make sure I got picked up. She took me to her car, and had me call my grandma to ask if it was okay for her to take me home. If it hadn't been for her staying around to make sure I got picked up, I could have been living a very different life right now. I worked at Six Flags last spring and summer. Well, technically a freelance arts company, leasing vending spots there. I was one of the oldest people hired, I was 18 at the time, attending college while most of my co-workers were in high school. I took photos in a sort of old-timey dress-up shop, it was honestly one of the most fun jobs I'd ever had. I was hired back in March 2018 and started work in April, when the park was only open on weekends before the official opening. I'd been working for about a month and the park was now open during the week for less than 10 hours a day, so I was able to work all day unfortunately was the only one in the shop as the colleagues were on summer break and the high schools were still in session till mid-June so you can see where the story is going. I was alone all day during the week and had some co-workers on the weekends. I was so terribly alone during the day that I walked across the path to go see my other co-workers out of boredom. So when I was outside of the shop during the day I began to notice a man hanging around my area. I'd mainly see him walk by very slowly staring at me. I presumed into the shop at the time. I figured he was just shy, 
or in the pitch inside and was just too afraid or socially awkward to ask for pricing. Deep down, he gave me an uneasy feeling, but I decided to ignore it because he was a customer in the park and he was probably just very antisocial. I kept a smile and tried pulling in customers every day. One day I smiled and waved at him. That was probably a big mistake. He walked over briskly to stand in front of me and stare at me. I was creeped out. I was scared. He then asked me about prices after days of walking by and staring. I breathed a sigh of relief and started going through my memorized sales pitch. After I finished, he smiled at me. Not a normal smile, one that made my skin crawl. He leaned in so close I could smell his breath. He asked how much it would be for him. I was confused as I'd just gone through the price list. So I stated that the prices were non-negotiable unless you were an art company employee or a park employee. When I ran through my pitch, I found he had grown interested and wanted some pictures. So I gladly took them into my shop and had a wonderful time photographing them. While I was checking the family out and collecting my payment, I looked up and the man was back, leaning against the chain barrow in front of my shop. The family collected their things and walked to the chain. The man had to move to the side for me to open it for them. I immediately closed it behind them as he tried pushing his way in the shop. I told him I was sorry, but only paying customers could come in. He wasn't allowed in unless he considered purchasing. He frowned and walked away. I waited a few minutes, tidied up the shop and stepped back outside. It was almost time for closing so it was pointless, but I had to stand outside or else I'd get in trouble with my boss. I noticed him one last time that day. Across the way from me was a game and I saw him hiding behind it, peeking his head out and looking at me. I couldn't tell you how scared I was. I just wanted to cry. He continued to do this for an entire week and I eventually began to ignore him, which he didn't like. On that Friday, as soon as the park opened, he made a beeline towards me. I was out front organising outdoor props and I froze. I hastily dropped what I was doing and went inside, closing the chain behind me. He paced back in front of the chain, muttering to himself and looking at me. I was so terrified. I was going to run for the phone and call security if he didn't leave. He suddenly launched forward, grabbing the chain with both hands, and I'll never forget this moment, because my heart stopped and my blood ran cold. His eyes were wild, and that same menacing grin was back. He started whispering about things he wanted to do to me. It was disgusting. He was now talking about how he loved me, and all these sexual things he wanted to do to me. He wanted me to put him in a dress, and he wanted me to humiliate him in front of all the people in the park. I was slowly backing up to the wall in my shop as he started yelling and laughing. I told him to go away and that I would call security if he didn't leave. He got even more angry and said something that keeps him up at night, even a year later. I'll be waiting for you when you get out. Meet me by the employee exit on your way out, or else. He gave me that disgusting smile and walked away. I went behind the counter and started sobbing. I never imagined I'd have something like this happen to me, and now that it had, all of my knowledge of what to do went out the window. I was crying like a little girl. I decided to tell my manager at the end of the day because I didn't want to be afraid of coming to work. When I told him, he was mortified that I hadn't told him sooner. He walked me to a secret exit to the employee parking lot so I wouldn't see the man. The next morning, we went off to the security and I gave a description to all of the park security of what he looked like and what he would normally wear. I went back to my shop with my co-workers, and not even five minutes later he came in, strolling over with an angry look on his face. I hadn't met him and he was furious. My co-workers noticed my panic as I ran to the back and hid. 
I hadn't told any of them my situation yet, and when I did, they told me that they wouldn't leave me alone even if the shift was over, seeing as I was closer and they didn't want to leave me behind. I called security and told them what he was wearing so they updated information. They posted a security officer outside my shop. He seemed to disappear because of that. When the officer left to take care of something, he came back. Security realised that every time a clothes officer was around, he would hide. So they posted plainclothes officers across the shop, posing as a customer. I was being used as a bait ultimately, but I felt it was too important to get him out of the park. Security eventually apprehended him later that day, as he was headed towards my shop. They asked me for identification of him, and I remember breaking down and sobbing. The officer comforted me. Finally the nightmare was over. He never physically threatened me, or wielded a weapon, but he was doing enough verbal threats to make fear for my life. They banned him from all Six Flags parks around the country, revoked his membership status, and took him into custody. Unfortunately, as there was no violent act committed, they had to let him go. As I drove home that night, I saw him walking on the side of the road, and I immediately sped away in fear that he would see me through the window and chase me. At least he couldn't get to me at work anymore. I found out a couple of weeks later from one of my security friends that he saw my stalker being arrested in a town over. I went and looked up the arrest records for that town later that day and saw he'd been arrested for an incident of exposure, public endangerment and public intoxication. I know what happened to me is not as severe as other stories, but it was one of the most terrifying weeks of my life. You really don't think something like this will happen to you until it does. Please everyone, always notice who's around you at all times and be cautious of everybody. I had graduated college and I planned to travel Europe with a friend for a reward for myself for accomplishing this goal. My friend Jen and I were going to travel Europe separately, but meet up in Paris. I was flying to London and she was flying to Madrid. I had recently had to kick out a roommate named Dimitri for not paying his rent for several months. Long story short, this kid's mother was giving him money to pay for his rent and utilities and he refused to get a job besides selling weed and cocaine. Anyway, he was the worst cocaine dealer because he got high in his own supply and eventually got hooked and that was the reason he stopped paying his rent. All in all, Dimitri had skipped out of 3 months of rent and he owed me $1,600 but fortunately his brother, who's a responsible person, paid what he owed me. So needs to say, I was looking forward to my vacation in Europe. I was born and raised in Southern California and had never been out of the country before besides going to the border of San Diego. So I was excited to see the world. I didn't know anyone in London, so I went on the message board I was a part of and asked anyone if it lights me up. One guy hit me up and said that he was down to hang out with me. This dude Liam is a cool guy and I'm still friends with him to this day. He takes me to the bookstores, we go to the park and hang out. He shows me where he lives and I meet his roommates. And he says he knows this show is happening and that some of his friends will be playing there and he asks if I want to go. Being an amateur musician, I agree. Honestly, the show was pretty cool. It was like in this bar that was in the basement of this building. I'd never been to anything like it. I met a lot of Liam's friends, and they all seemed pretty cool. Liam's not much of a drinker. He told me he's a recovering addict from alcohol, so he doesn't partake, but he still buys a few beers for his friends. After the show is over, we all leave the bar, and Liam says that he has to be up in the morning, so he needs to go, but says I'm welcome to hang out with his friends if I want to. Liam's friends talk for a while in front of the bar and have a difficult time coming up with what to do. They eventually decide on something, I don't remember what, but I decide against it. It's getting pretty late and I know the tube closes at some point in the night and I just want to go back to my hotel. 
I also am not familiar with Liam's friends and have a difficult time in groups of people that I don't know very well if someone I'm familiar with isn't around. So I say my goodbyes to Liam's friends in the park. I don't know where I am in London, so I decided just to pick a random direction and walk as I'm bound to find a tube line somewhere. Besides, it would give me a chance to walk around the city. Before I'd left for Europe, I'd set aside some money to give timeless people. I'm a generally pretty generous person and decided I wanted to share my happiness of graduating with the least fortunate people I encountered. I didn't have a lot, but it was something I wanted to do, especially since Dimitri's brother had done the right thing for me, though I didn't have to pay off Dimitri's debts. I encountered a few homeless people in London, asking for assistance, and I had them £20 notes as I go by, trying to find a tube station. Eventually I encountered this man. He must have been Pakistani or Indian, and he starts walking with me, talking to me. Initially I don't mind him, but he asked me if I do cocaine. I told him not anymore, on account of seeing what I did to Dimitri. Then he asked me if I smoke weed. I said I do, but I'm not interested in smoking today, as I don't want to break the laws in a foreign country, and I don't want to take drugs on people who approach me on the street. He then proceeds to chat to me about Islam. He's not trying to convert me or anything, he's just talking about it, and what it's done for him in his life. I'm an atheist, but being interested in religion, I don't mind this conversation. I eventually stop somewhere on the side of the road because this guy keeps talking to me. He invites me down an alley and says that he can show me a place where Jack the Ripper used to hang out. But at this point, I'm creeped out by this guy in decline. I say that I need to go and he acknowledges me, but continues talking about Islam. I keep signing the conversation that I need to get going, and he acknowledges but doesn't shut up. At this point, I'm both creeped out by this man and annoyed by him, so I get on my phone and order an Uber. I was never so happy to see an Uber arrive. I'm not sure, but I think the guy was trying to lure me off the main road to rob me after I declined to buy drugs from him. He knew I had some money since he probably saw me giving out the money to the homeless people and probably thought that I'd be an easy target as a tourist. The rest of my trip went pretty well besides being pickpocketed in Paris. I met with two long-time pen pals in Germany and stayed with them over the course of the week. I did meet up with Jen in Paris and had a memorable time. Anyways, man on the street of London, let's not meet again.